0: We're going this evening to the book of 2 Kings, if you have your Bibles. Thank you, praise team and choir. Y'all were awesome tonight. I thank the Lord for you. I cannot tell y'all how good it does my soul to come in here on Sunday night and hear the choir. Amen. It's so good to have the choir back on the platform with us. Amen. Church, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but let me just encourage you uh, to stay Stay the course right now. You're doing great things. Just stay encouraged. Keep watching yourself. Take care of your health. Keep your immune system built up. And uh, keep on washing your hands and doing the right things. And God's helping us. Amen. We've been so very blessed in this area to just continue services with no problems and no issues. And I plan on keeping it that way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just believing that God is going to continue to help us. We have had several folks over the last couple of weeks that have had some just some seasonal illnesses, some colds and things like that. And even uh, those folks, if they have any kind of a temperature or whatever, they've been staying home. And I thank you so very much for working hard. I know uh, right now, um, Brother Maines is locked in at home, getting ready for a surgery. And if you're watching, Brother Maines, we're praying for you. And uh, so very thankful the Lord's hand is upon him. But uh, we, just, we have just a couple of folks that have a little bit of uh, illness going on. And thankfully, uh, none of the virus has touched any of us uh, in our local assembly here. And I'm not gloating about that or at all. I'm just saying we thank the Lord for that. And we want to be very, very careful and keep it that way. Amen. So uh, I, I want to I be able to have church and meet together and not have to worry about this stuff so y'all just keep you're doing the right things and I appreciate you doing that and uh, I uh, I want to brag for just a minute on our elders um, all across this movement there's a lot of folks that, that are they're afraid to be out and, and to be in the house of the Lord and there's something special about the makeup of the folks in this church because we couldn't pay you to stay home and uh, I appreciate I appreciate you being here and you guys convict me you make me just want to do better and be better praise God second Kings chapter 13 I'm finished rambling tonight I'm gonna preach praise God second Kings chapter 13 verse 14 praise the living God if you're there say amen Amen. second Kings 13 and 14 now Elisha the prophet of the Lord was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and he wept over his face. And he said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha says to Joash, the king. Take bow and arrows. So he took him the bow and arrows. And he said to Joash, put your hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And then the prophet put his hands on the king's hands. You got the picture. The king is holding the bow and the arrow. And the prophet puts his hands on the hands of the king. And he said, open the window eastward. So he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. The arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek. Till thou Has consumed them. Now here comes a little shift. He said, Take the arrows. And he took them. Now, so far, Elisha's told him exactly what to do and how to do it. He took them and he said to the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. So he smites thrice, three times, and stayed. Now Elisha, the man of God, the prophet of God, on his deathbed was wroth with him. He was angry with him. Beyond That word wroth is beyond angry. It's, he was livid with him. And he said, you should have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou had consumed it, whereas now you shall only smite Syria but thrice three times I want to preach to you tonight from the form of a question if I could for the next few minutes I want to ask you this question how bad do you want it how bad do you want it how bad do you want it tonight father thank you for your word thank you for the glory that we feel thank you for your power thank you for what you've done and what you're gonna do I plead the blood of Jesus over this house I pray over your people right now that you would prepare the soil of our hearts for the good seed of the word of God. Give us good fertile ground tonight. And for this we give you the praise and the thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the church shout amen. amen. Come on somebody shout amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Would you clap unto Jesus right now. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. And you may be seated in Jesus name. Now. Just a little history here that's going on in the kingdom of Israel. There has been a a link of weakness in the kings of Israel for quite some time. Until we get to Joash, the preceding kings, the scripture said that they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And that they continued in the sin of Jeroboam. So, the kings of Israel are, are following in the footsteps of Jeroboam, who was an evil king. And we don't have time to preach about Jeroboam tonight, but just suffice it to say that the sins of Jeroboam were paid for for generations to come. And as the kings of Israel sat on the throne, for generation after generation, their hearts were gripped because of the decisions that had been made by Jeroboam, and we say it does not matter to the next generation how we live. I'm telling you right now that for a generation that's coming up behind us and that's presently in the house of God, it matters that we continue in the ways of the Lord. I don't want the apostolic church in 15 or 20 years from now, if the Lord withholds his coming to be unidentifiable because of the sins of this generation that says, no, we'll just do it our way. I would rather us keep power and authority and dominion and prayer and holiness and separation and godliness in the church so that when my kids come up in ministry and Whenever my grandkids come up and they're doing whatever God calls them to do, in Jesus' name, I will have, if he withholds his coming, I will have grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren that serve the Lord because today we are preserving the righteousness of the kingdom of God. Pastor, why would you say that? I declare it prophetically that if the lord has not come back i plead the blood over my grandchildren i plead the blood over my great grandchildren i pray in the name of jesus that if we're here another 100 years that the apostolic church experiences power and demonstration like they never have before if you believe it shout amen it matters It matters how we talk to our children. It matters what we tell them. It matters that they know there is a difference between us and the world. Jeroboam, you are not just a king. You're the king of Israel. You're the king of God's people. And it matters. And for generations to come, Jeroboam's sons, if you would, his offspring that sat on the throne after him, continued In the ways of Jeroboam. Well, the problem is, Pastor, is that there was nobody to stand up and preach. Well, that's not true because Elisha was still alive. The truth we heard this morning in Bible class, I'm telling you that's some of the best Bible teaching I've ever heard in my life, Brother Stephen. That was amazing. The truth of what we heard in Bible class this morning is it does not matter what the prophet says. If the prophet can give it to you line on line and precept on precept, if it's not in your heart, it doesn't matter if the Bible says specifically thou shalt or thou shalt not. If it's not in your heart, you're not going to do it anyway. The principle of this whole thing is to get it down in our souls. I know we stand on the bedrock and cornerstone of Deuteronomy 6 and 4, the Shema. We stand on that. But the commandment of Deuteronomy 6 was not about who deity was, who God was, that he was one. The fact is that he was identified as one, and the commandment was to love him. Love the Lord thy God. Our God is one. Love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Why? Because if you fall in love with him, then following his word is not a problem. And it causes generations after us to know it's not just about rules. It's not about restriction. It's not about what the world calls legalism. It's about teaching our kids to fall in love with the master. You don't understand, Jeroboam, what you're doing to the next generation when you tell them it doesn't matter anymore because old-fashioned ways are outdated. I'm telling you tonight, I don't care if the world calls me old-fashioned. I don't care if the world calls me an old fogey. I'm glad to be a one God, apostolic Jesus name, Holy Ghost filled, holiness believing, child of God. you got to forgive me, but I was raised in a generation that said I would rather get to heaven and find out I did too much than to walk into heaven and find out that I barely missed it. I'm not here tonight to try to figure out what I can get by with and still be saved. I want to be in the bride of Christ. I want to be pure before God. I don't want there to be anything in me that would cause me to miss the coming of the Lord. So the fact is, Elisha was alive and well until we get to this portion of scripture that we read tonight where Joash is now the new king. But the sickness that was his sickness unto death now has him on his deathbed. It's a sad thing to think about having a prophet like Elisha who was the son in the faith, in the prophetic to Elijah, a double portion man, that in the midst of the seer, Elisha, that had prophetic intuition and the ability to see into the future and to declare the works of God that even in the midst of the powerful prophetic move of God in the kingdom of Israel that kings could still be corrupted I'm preaching to somebody tonight to tell you it does not matter how powerful the prophetic is if we don't get this thing in our hearts we've got to get it out of just our minds and get it down in our hearts hero Israel hero Israel you got to hear it Israel you got to hear it tonight the Lord our God is one and love him with all you've got so the the, the premise the power here is that just because there's a prophetic word it doesn't mean there's somebody to follow the word and a kingdom is in trouble when they would rather have the rulership of a king that allows them to feel comfortable in the shape that they're in and would rather follow that king than they would the prophet of God who is there to bring correction to that voice. It's something amazing to me how that people, when they get crossed up with God, they start looking for somebody that's going to make them feel better about where they are instead of correcting the course. Have you ever noticed how somebody gets to a point where they disagree with what a church teaches? So they go find a church that teaches something else so that they can feel more comfortable there as if it negates the power of the word of God just because somebody else fails to preach it. So what it shows us is that you don't care about being saved as much as you do feeling good. And so what, what, what happens is the very thing that I preached to you this morning is that when Herod doesn't like, when Herod's wife doesn't like what John Baptist is saying, the answer is not come in alignment. The answer is just cut his head off. Just silence the voice. Well, you can silence the voice of Elisha, but you're going to find out that for generations after generation, and king after king, and one that sits on the throne, one after the other, you're going to find out that what Jeroboam allowed himself. To just have a little bit of in his life. Just, just, I'm just going to enjoy just a little bit of it. For generations, the kings that sat on the thrones continued to walk. They continued to walk not in their sin, but the scripture. Go back and read chapter 11, 12, 13 that we were in tonight. It said, and they continued to walk in the sin of Jeroboam. Somebody somewhere has got to be willing to break the back of that Jeroboam spirit. So now Elisha's fallen sick, and there seems to be, there seems to be this crossover moment where now Joash is broken because Elisha is dying. Now this is, a, this is an interesting moment. I really don't have a lot of time to stay here and dwell on this, but it's an interesting moment to me. How that someone who up until this point is walking in the sins of their father is sad to know that the prophetic voice is going to be silenced. That lets me know that there's some kind of spark, some glimmer of hope in the heart of Joash that his heart is broken. The Bible said that he got over the face of Elisha the prophet and began to weep over him. He is literally hanging over the face of the prophet and he's weeping tears. That, that that lets me know that there's hope in Israel. That somebody still loves the preacher. Somebody still loves the prophet of God. And somebody cares that that voice is going to be silenced. But now we're moving into another place where the prophet is going to prophesy really one more time before his death. And he says to Joash, she says... I want you to walk over there and pick up that bow and arrow. So he picks up the bow and the arrow, and he says, "Now turn this direction." And that 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 old prophet, uh, it's you, you. Don't really get the picture unless you've got a vivid imagination, but. I, I get this picture of this old weak prophet laying in his bed is what it said. He's, he's on his deathbed and I, just, I, I see him just kind of sitting up a little bit and, and, and he's very, very weak. But the king's got his hands on the bow. And so now the prophet reaches up and he puts his hands on the hands of Joash. And what this says right here to me is that if we have ever needed the fingerprints of the prophet on what we're going to do next and the moves that we're going to do next, we need it right now. Joash, your family has been in dire straits since the sin of Jeroboam. Joash, the way to turn this thing around is to let the prophet get his hands on you. The way to turn this thing around, if you want direction, don't ever forget, Joash, that you need the direction of a man of God in your life I want to tell you tonight it may sound just a little self-serving but I've lived this before I became a pastor and I'm telling you there is absolutely no substitute or replacement for having a man of God in your life I want the man of God in my life to have his fingerprints on everything that I'm doing I'm saying God you let that preacher put his hands on me if I'm shooting arrows I want the man of God To put his hands on me. I wonder how many arrows have been shot. Just shot off into the darkness. Just because there wasn't specificity. in how the man of God. What would have happened if he would have just said to him. Hey pick up the arrows. Pick up the bow. And shoot it. What would have happened? The same thing that happens when you go without the voice of a prophet in your life. Without the voice of a man of God. There are people tonight that are shooting aimlessly. Off into the distance trying to figure out what in the world is going to happen next. Church, I'm just telling you. You hear my heart when I tell you tonight. I cannot imagine living in these perilous times and disconnecting myself from the body of Christ. I can't imagine living in these times right now and saying, I'll forget that. I'll have a relationship with God on my own. Man, forget that. I'm going to keep myself connected to a source of strength and life and hope. I want to be in the body of Christ. (laughs) Got to. I want to be in the body of Christ. I want to be connected. So he said, all right. Put my hands on you. And he shoots. He shoots the arrow. And he said this. Is the arrow of deliverance. And I'm not going to preach so much about the arrow. I'm trying to get to a certain place tonight that I feel like the Lord wants to help us with. And so he tells him then, he says, now listen. Pick up the ground. uh, Pick up the arrows and smite the ground. Now, here comes the transitional moment. The spirit of the man is revealed. And I want everybody to listen very, very closely right here to how important this is. When you are told what to do. But not how much to do it. I want you to think about this now. It caused the prophet of God to be livid. Upset, broken, and frustrated with joash because he told him after he would put his hands on him and he shot the arrow and he said the lord's going to deliver you brother jordan he said now pick up the arrows and he just picks it up and hits the ground three times like he's humoring elisha you can kind of tell the heart of a person when they're in the house of the lord and the, the preacher gets up or the service leader gets up and says clap your hands to the lord Tells them what to do, but not how much. Somebody sitting in their pew and talking about how the devil's been beating their brains out. But that praise will get you through. And so they, the preacher stands up and preaches on the power of praise and how it's going to happen. So they just stand up and they smite three times. And it causes me to ask the question that I'm preaching to you tonight. How bad do you really want it? Joe asked, you're in a bad place right now, son. You've been promised deliverance, but now the amount of deliverance that's coming to you is predicated on how much you do with what you've been told to do. The Lord said be holy, but he didn't just say exactly how much. What he's wondering tonight is how much does deliverance mean to you? Are you going to stand around with God and say three times is too much? Five times is too much. Lord, I'd rather just do it my way. I'm telling you this evening that your deliverance is predicated on how big of a risk you're willing to take. Joash, the proof of your deliverance and how bad you want it is in the image you portray when you smite the ground. I came, up in a, I came up in a church that believed in the power of victory marches. But now, forgive me if I sound like I'm throwing off on people, but you know the spirit of this age, sometimes it rubs off on the church. And now we got a bunch of people that believe God owes it to us for the walls of Jericho to fall down in the 21st century. But we don't want to walk seven days. And especially keeping our mouth quiet. For some of us, the toughest order would not be the walking. It'd be the... Oh, see, y'all are preaching good now. So this is is your answer to us then? We're just going to have to walk and keep our mouth shut? You know what? There's a neat little principle in that story that I think could help a lot of us. I wouldn't complain about what God was doing even if I couldn't see what he was doing because I was on the outside of the walls because what they wanted was on the inside of the walls of Jericho It's just what I preached to you this morning you couldn't see what God was doing on the inside of the city. But the men on the inside of the city were trembling because they heard the sounds of marching feet, and it sounded like an army that was surrounding them. And whenever they were willing to put their foot to the ground and close up their mouth and say, I refuse to shout until the Lord tells me to shout, I refuse to open my mouth till the Lord tells me to open my mouth, God was doing a work on the inside of the wall. What they did not know is that every step they took, they were stepping in the direction of They're delivered. With every step, there was another crack in the foundation. They weren't told how many that day. The Lord just said, keep on walking. I feel like encouraging somebody tonight. You may not see how God's going to do it. You may not see what's going on. But keep on walking, baby. Every step is in the direction of your deliverance. Oh, I feel that tonight. I feel that tonight. I feel like somebody has been putting damage on the enemy's kingdom. And you feel discouraged tonight because you haven't seen the evidence. But just keep on walking. Now listen. If you read this story... It's almost like Joash is just trying, to, just trying to humor the old man. He says, hey, son, in that weak and feeble voice, hey, now pick up your arrows and smite the ground. And you don't, you don't see any of this written, but it's almost like you can read Joash's mind. That's kind of stupid. First, you got me shooting arrows into the middle of the air, but you, you don't understand. There was invisible direction going on there. There was something supernatural. God, I wish people could see this. There was something supernatural released into the atmosphere when he obeyed without having any answers to what he was doing. So now the old man tells him smite the smite the ground. So he, he just picks up the arrows and he kind of looks over his shoulder and I don't I don't really know. I don't I don't really know. So he just kind of reaches down and smites the ground three times. And when he turns back around, the old man at God's livid. I mean frustrated. The old, the old man of God, man, you, you, ain't never, you ain't never been chewed out till you had an old preacher chew you out. Now he's mad. I've read this story, I don't know how many times I've read it in my life. I thought, man, why in the world? You know, I, I, I kind of had that perspective for a little while saying, well, you can't really be mad if you didn't give him direction. Right. Kind of how I looked at that for a while. You know what I'm saying? Well, if you want me to smite the ground five or six times, you should have told me five or six times. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. I want to see what kind of incentive and initiative you've got. Joash, this is not about how bad Elisha wants you to succeed. This is about how bad you want it. You cannot expect Joash for Elisha. To declare over you the victory that God is trying to bring to the kingdom. If you want restoration in Israel, you need to stand up and grab those arrows. I'm telling you tonight, I would have been smiting the ground until the arrows broke. I would have kept on smiting and smiting. But there's something that happens with us. It's like we think that we're going to bankrupt heaven if our faith gets too big. I'm preaching right there now. Lord, I know this sounds kind of silly, so I don't know if I should ask or not. Maybe I'll just tap it three times. Well, How much deliverance do you want? How bad do you want it? And why did it make the old preacher mad? And for some reason, I all of a sudden began to see that the issue was not that Elisha on his deathbed was looking for something to get mad at. It wasn't like the old prophet was just looking for a reason to be ticked off at another king. It was in that moment that I realized the issue is that Elisha came from a double portion generation. He was the young man that was following around the prophet that kissed his mama and daddy goodbye that burned his cows and his plows to follow after miracles and mantles and Elisha was laying there saying where the tenacity in the next generation I'm not looking for somebody that'll smite the ground three times I want somebody that says I want it bad enough if I've got to chase after mantles and burn everything that's behind me whatever I've got to do I want it the old prophet was mad because he looked at Joash and he said, I don't see a double portion hunger in him. I don't see him one more than this generation has had. I'm telling you right now that the next generation of Pentecost is not going to be less than this generation. God is about to pour out a double a double portion of his power and his glory. Elijah said, I don't want somebody to humor me. I'm not looking for somebody that just says, oh, okay, well, maybe this is enough to make you happy. We get up and call for prayer. And all the prayer warriors start wrestling in their mind with, how much prayer should I pray? How much is enough? You know, I always had a, Problem with being competitive when I was young. And I didn't like to go to the gym and lift the same thing this week that I lifted last week. Made me feel weak. When I had weeks that I didn't have gains. I was frustrated because I wanted to have some gains. I wanted to get better. You know what? When I was a boy, we were singing about sweet hour of prayer. And I'm not against it, because the problem is now. That sweet hour of prayer turned into just a little talk with Jesus. We got a generation of people. who don't, don't, Please don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you right now. We need to have good church. But we got a generation that love to dance and shout and get to feel good. But they don't even know how to pray an hour. And Jesus was asking his disciples in Gethsemane. He said, could you not tarry with me one hour? That didn't mean that was the limit. Some of us look like an hour of day uh, is the limit of prayer. Jesus wasn't saying that was the limit. He was saying, guys, that's the least you could do. Now I'm going to preach to you. at Sunday night. I know that. But give me just about five minutes of Wednesday night mode. I don't have any respect for people that say they don't have time to pray. But they've watched every stinking show, every sitcom that's come on their TV. They got time to sit in front of movies for three hours, two hours. It blows my mind. Our kids can't sit through a service without going to the bathroom, but they'll sit in front of a movie for two and a half hours and never move. Uh, it's no big deal. Pastor, he's just a cute little wizard with glasses. So you're letting your kid be babysat by witchcraft for two hours and talking about how cute it is, but they don't have a clue how to pray. church listen to me I'm not here to be hard tonight I don't want to be ugly but it is too late in the game to find out what the minimum requirements are for us to get by I'm not looking for a generation of three smiters I'm looking for a generation that says "All right, you tell me whatever I need to do and then I'm going to keep going above and beyond that I'm going to live for God like there's no tomorrow I'm going to fall in love with holiness I'm not going to wait on the pastor to tell me to clap I'm not going to wait on the preacher to tell me to dance I've got some Something in my soul that says, Lord, I'll take all you got. I'll take everything you can give me. Keep on preaching, preacher. Keep on preaching. You don't believe me. You just watched people's faces this morning. We had a great service. The altar call went a little long. And there were some folks 20 minutes after 12 today just going... I suppose now that he's done, Bishop's going to get up there and say something. <laughs> <laughs> Cracks me up. On, Please understand my motive tonight. I'm not being ugly. We went 53 days without church, and people bottled and squalled, and now we're 20 minutes over on Sunday morning, they're like, I wonder if he knows what I've got in my Instapot. (laughs) So tonight, I'm just going to act like Elisha. I'm going to be the old guy. Thank the Lord I'm not old, but I'm going to be the old guy because I'm old in my spirit tonight. And I'm going to say to you that the reason why we're not carrying kids out of church anymore drunk as Cooter Brown... On the Holy Ghost Uh It's because before they can get drunk in the Holy Ghost We're saying let's go before Wendy's closes Choir you can be seated Now believe me I got no intention of doing it tonight But I wonder what in the world would happen if at midnight tonight I was still up here preaching. We were having a prayer meeting. I can tell you what would happen. People would be getting up leaving. You get tired. Eutychus goes falling out of windows. But do you know what Long Church does? It identifies window dwellers. It's like nobody wants to hear that kind of preaching. I don't know. You watch the Eutychus spirit get a hold of people. It always identifies them window dwellers, but the part they never talk about in the story is that people who sit in the windows of opportunity, they never fall in the church. They always fall out. I preached at Louisiana Kemp. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. And I I just felt like preaching on Eutychus one night, Dad, I started the camp meeting. I think Eutychus was the first night, and I preached, get out of the window. And the next night, I was preaching about how bad you wanted to get a miracle, you know. So I started preaching about the lame man on the porch. The second night, I preached, get off the porch. My God, by the time camp meeting was over, people were out of windows and off the porch. And I don't know where they went, but they were, they were off and out of everything. It's like, Good Lord. What am I going to preach next night? I don't know. I ran out of stuff people get out of. It blows my mind. Can 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 I, can I slow this down just preach to you for a minute? Yes. This generation talks about prayer and revival more than any generation I've ever been around and we pray less and have less revival. Because it's an Instagram generation. That if we post our prayer life, it looks better than it really is. Our prayer lives are filtered. Our dedication to God is filtered. There's a reason why your vacation pictures are only from the waist up. Because you know pastors on Insta. And you're afraid the old Elisha is going to see what you got on below the waist. Bishop, I feel a little Danny T coming on me right now. (laughs) If you wouldn't watch it with me in the room, don't watch it. Son, I've seen him get on them tippy toes. And he'd flat wear it out. He'd hear about some kids in there watching some dumb movie. And he'd get on them tippy toes and wear it out. If you wouldn't watch it with Jesus in the room, don't watch it. I'm saying if you wouldn't wear it with pastor with you on your vacation then don't wear it if I'm not there how bad do you want it I'm not just apostolic on Sunday I'm apostolic every day of my life I shouldn't even tell this story. What time is it? Oh, Lord. I was going on vacation one time with a friend. Jesus, please don't let him watch this. I was going on vacation with a friend, and we were going to a, 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 a an aquatic area. And he asked me, Bishop, he said, so... What do you wear when you swim? I said, uh, I wear pants and shirt. Why? He goes, No! I said, Yeah, he goes, You're not going to embarrass me, are you? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Does it embarrass you? Because I don't give up my conviction just because I want to have a good time. Pastor, ain't here, it's only one beer. I'm not going to get drunk wherein is excess. I've seen that old trick before. The devil's had that up his sleeve for a long time. If he can ever get you to drink the first one, before you know it, you'll drink a whole pack of them because that's what you've been set free from. How bad do you want it? Would you rather be holy or fit in with the social drinking crew? I think I'll take heaven. Oh, What's just sorry, sucker, last night in India. I never seen anything so stupid in all my life, pretty close to it. He got in this snake pit, he was a big old area, big as this altar thing right here. And that dumb thing was full of viper, of uh, 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 the cobras, the flathead cobras. That dude walked around in there, and he reached down and grabbed one and threw it over there. And he reached down and got four or five of them and threw them over in that direction. I don't, I'm like, man, what in the world is this guy doing? I started getting AFib, and I'm all messed. I'm like, oh, my God. What in the world is he doing? He's just walking through, touching me, moving them all around. He'll reach down, and take out one, throw it over there. I thought, you big dummy, sooner or later, you're going to get bit. And... It, Ain't nobody going to help me preach right now. I'm telling you folks, listen to me. If you play with fire long enough, you're going to get burnt. you got to make up in your mind right now. I'm going to be apostolic until Jesus comes. This is not up for debate. This is not up for question. I still believe in one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I still believe in one God, Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. I still believe you must be born again of water and spirit, or you cannot. This is not up for debate tonight. How bad do you want it? I'll just humor you, Elisha. I'll just smite it three times. And the old double portion man. What's wrong with you? You just limited the victory that God can bring to a nation. Because you were presumptuous enough to think that I just wanted you to do it to make me happy. Bishop, I could throw you the mic. You could hammer this right here. You understand me when I tell you that if your holiness is to keep your pastor happy, it's not holiness. It's legalism. I need somebody to get it in their heart tonight to say Lord I want revival so bad that I'm going to have if Elisha wants me to stop he's going to have to say okay Joash that's enough you can stop now God gets the picture you're not throwing in the towel you're not quitting anytime soon God gets the picture you want it bad enough to stay in the race in my office tonight faith's hall of fame came to me wherefore seeing that we are compassed with so great cloud of witnesses let us run with patience the race that is set before us right. looking unto Jesus the author and finish of our faith yeah. and I heard the Holy Ghost whisper to me sitting at my desk And he said, the witnesses are watching. He said, the witnesses are watching the double generation guys are watching. They laid on their deathbed and they were looking at the next generation saying, God I hope they want it as bad as we wanted it. The Lord said the witnesses are watching. Now go ahead and run the race. Go ahead and run the way, the race because the witnesses are watching. But don't look at the witness to make sure the witness is okay with it. Look unto Jesus who is the, oh, listen, I thank God for the witnesses that push us but I don't need to know that a Elisha's good with it. I want to know, God, are you good with it? You can join me in the book of Ezra, chapter 3. Ezra, chapter 3, verse number 12. But many of the priests, the Levites... Chief of the fathers, check this out right here. Who were ancient men that had seen the first house. The double portion boys. They had seen the glory of that temple when Solomon finished it. And that holy light from heaven rested on the altar of sacrifice. They had seen that first house, and it said, When the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice. Why in the world? Are they weeping because many are shouting aloud for joy? Listen to what I'm telling you. It was the old men that were close to their deathbed, if you would. They were the old generation that had seen the first temple completed and they were so broken because the prophecy had come forth that the glory of the latter house would be greater than that of the former. But this generation just took the prophetic for granted and they said, Well, then God owes us the glory of the latter house he did it in the former house so he's going to do it for us but those old priests those old men that had seen the glory of the former house started weeping because they said I'm not sure these boys wanted as bad as we wanted it then they're all right with a smaller altar they're all right with a fire that's kindled by the hands of men they're all right without the Urim and the Thummim they're all right without the priestly garment they're all right without a lot of things that we weren't all right without we've seen the glory of the former house but But don't think that God just owes us the glory of the latter house because we serve him. Now we wrestle with things that we don't want to give up. And then when we finally do, we throw it up in the face of the Lord and say, Now you better reward me with the glory of the latter house. Lord, I live a faithful holy life uh-huh. what's your motive is your motive for the glory of the latter house uh-huh. or is your motive because you want it you want to please God yeah. you want to do whatever you got to do right. oh God raise us up generation of young people that on Sunday night when their moms and dads go eat at the restaurant, they got to come back by the church because Junior's still laid out on the floor. We want the miracle signs and wonders of the old church. There ain't nobody having all-night prayer meetings anymore. We set an th- alarm on our phone for what time we ate today to be sure that we don't go over 24 hours on our fast day. They say, well, I fasted this week, Lord, so you owe it to me. Y'all, I hope you can feel my burden in this place right now. For the end time revival that I've heard preached all my life, and I still believe it's coming. I don't, care. I don't care what people say. I still believe our greatest revival has yet to be seen. I still believe it. But if we're going to have it, we're going to stop looking at God and saying, Okay, I gave you my 30 minutes today, and I fasted one day this week, so pour it out. Won't you just walk over and smite the ground a couple times? It's more about the least that I can do to still get the power. Oh. See I hope nobody thinks I'm being ugly right now I'm calling this church to a higher level What was the first thing that crossed your mind tonight When you got on the fpcanderson.com Backslash prayer And started looking through the times How many of you said ooh that's not real convenient I don't want that one Ah uh. Ah I don't know if y'all can feel it yet, but there's a tugging of the Holy Ghost right now. Uh, I hate to tell y'all this, but if you think that you're getting ready to get comfortable at FPC, I hate to tell you, your pastor's praying against you, because I've been in this sanctuary every single day saying, God, wreck this place, wreck these people, mess them up, God, mess them up. Mess up their patterns. Get them hungry. Oh, God. Wake them up when they go into that one day fast that they're going to do every week. They've been fasting every day. Thank God for people that fast every week. But, God, when they get to that one day and they start to sit down at the table, let those tears start dripping off their chin as the Holy Ghost says, Come on with me one more day. When you get up from that prayer meeting... You signed up for a certain hour this week. Hey. Woo! But you gotta get up from that hour that feels required of you and you can't stand up because the Holy Ghost says come on, stay down here with me just a little bit and you get in on somebody else's hour because you feel the desperation of revival that's when the angels of the Lord are standing around saying how many times are you going to smite the ground now, how bad do you want it right now, how bad do you want them kids saved, come on, how bad do you want that husband saved, how bad do you want that wife saved how bad do you want those aunts and uncles to come in, could you tarry with me just a little while, I'm calling for you to night FPC I'm telling you I don't want this to sound ugly but I hope you're so uncomfortable what I'm preaching right now that somebody will wake up and say Lord whatever you've got to do and however you got to do it just do it I want to have revival I've been asking God to disturb some people Some of you got your patterns all messed up. And the Lord rolled you over in the middle of the night and said, come on, talk to me. But it was so much easier once you reached over and touched that clock to see what the time was. And you saw it was 3 a.m. You said, oh, Lord, I got to get up and go to work. But the Holy Ghost has been been whispering in your come on come on, come talk to me, get out of that bed, come on in here, walk around in that living room, spend time with me and there's some man sitting in his house that's got a gun stuck in the roof of his mouth and he's saying, God if you don't help me right now I'm going to blow my brains out and we roll over in the bed and say oh, but Lord i got to get up for work in four hours, i got to be there and that man's sitting there shaking with sweat rolling off of his head saying, God, if anybody's ever prayed for me, pastor that's." stuff don't happen oh yes it happens I remember the night that my dad picked up the phone and called the man and the Lord laid him on his heart and he came and he told my dad he said Bishop when you called me the reason I didn't answer is I would got myself a gallon of wine and I just tried to drink my troubles away he said but when you called me I had a 45 stuck in the roof of my mouth I was sitting in the back of my van and I was getting ready to blow my brains out and before I pulled the trigger I looked down and saw Bishop Danny St. Clair calling me I'm telling you church if we've ever had a move of God it's time for a move of God somebody smite the ground somebody smite it until victory comes